It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brings you interviews with some of the most inspirational and influential people in the world. It's our goal to educate and empower you so you can live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. We have another great show for you today. Reflective writing can have healing and transformative powers. It helps you identify your strengths and weaknesses and provides the opportunity to relive, examine, and reconstruct your experiences so you can move forward. In her new book, Writing for Bliss, Dr. Diana Robb offers practical steps for discovering and writing your story. Dr. Rabb is an award-winning author who holds writing workshops for healing and transformation. She's a regular blogger for Psychology Today and the Huffington Post. Welcome, Diana. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Joan. So, Diana, why is writing so healing and transformative? Well, I think you presented it really beautifully in your introduction. You know, it's uh, it's all about reflecting on our past in, in a way that we can move forward uh, in our future to achieve all the goals that we were meant to achieve in this lifetime. It's about discovering your passions. It's about letting go of certain situations in the past that might be slowing us down or or making us stop in our tracks. So it's the reflective aspect of it is actually the part of memoir writing. I teach a lot of memoir writing as well. That's the part of memoir writing that makes memoirs really interesting for other people to read if people are thinking of getting published. Is it more of a free writing that is beneficial because it it eliminates the blocks of things that we might be afraid to say to someone else? Well, you know, there's different kinds of writing. When I teach my workshops, uh, I say that when I'm giving writing prompts is the free writing or sometimes called stream of consciousness writing, sometimes called automatic writing, which is just about writing whatever comes into your into your head. You can start out by saying this morning I woke up and I was thinking about my sister who lives on the other side of the country and how I miss her. And then you can head down the road and not really have a beginning, middle, and end like you would in an essay and just keep writing and see where your thoughts go. And you might end up at a place of, oh, I've been looking for my life passion for the past year. I think I'm going to quit my job and, and start anew. Uh, so that would be called free writing, as you refer to. And the other kind of writing would be prompt writing, where and I have a lot of prompts in my book to guide people who are not really sure what to write about. For example, I might say, describe your first time riding a bicycle. Describe your first love affair. And then just write about that particular subject. So both both ways, both writing forms can be very liberating and um, lead down the path of self-discovery. Based on a person's needs from a psychological standpoint, is there a better type to remove some of the, you know, the, the challenges that people have gone through or the, you know, the really difficult experiences? I don't know if there's a better type. I think everybody, you know, has their own form that feels most comfortable for them. If there's something in particular that an individual want to tackle, of course, it would be good to explore that. So, for example, one of the first things I suggest to my students is to write about the three most transformative moments or episodes or experiences in your life. 
and write about each one of those. And there's going to be one that will for sure pull you deeper into where you need to go. So that would be a really good way to start. Diana, you say that often we begin writing one story and find that it's actually another story that needs to be told. What do you mean by that? We think we're going to head down the road of writing about our sister, for example, on the other coast, and then we end up figuring out that we really meant to write about something else. And that's just how the subconscious mind is pretty much taking over. And in my book, I use the example of a poet, Kim Stafford, who was the son of William Stafford, and he, his brother had committed suicide when he was young. And he started writing the story about his brother's suicide and how he missed him. But as he got to the end of his memoir, which is a beautiful memoir, he realized that the only reason he was really writing was to keep his brother alive, to keep his voice alive, to keep his essence alive. So that's that's what I mean by that. Do you recommend that people just do it? Because I know so many people that want to write a book and they're spending so much time in the planning and the thinking phase of it that they never get started. So do you think that you should just sit down and get to it and let it just evolve naturally? Well, for some people, especially beginning writers, it's really hard. I really do suggest um, if you're the type that would like writing groups, that would be a great idea, but I think writing workshops where there's somebody that's organizing and a facilitator that's experienced in writing that can help you get off the ground. And then once you're off the ground, very often people experience mid-book blues. And so that's probably another time that you might need to sign up for a course for inspiration and, you know, just to get you back on the path. It's sometimes hard, really, just to sit down and just do it, as Nike says. Yeah, well, can you share a tip, you know, besides signing up for a class, could you share a tip right now that can help someone get started? Well, I think the number one tip, if I was to give advice, would be have no fear, because I think fear is a is a blocker. Fear holds us back from doing things that we want to do and fear prevents us from writing what we need to write. So I think just letting go of fear is the most important tip. The other important tip is also to allow yourself the time, give yourself permission to write. You know, find a block of time where you've got 30 minutes uninterrupted. Find your favorite pen, find your favorite journal, be inspired, light a candle, go for, you know, a walk beforehand. Do something that makes you feel good and comfortable before you sit down to write. It can be in your house, but it can also be in a public library. It can be in a park. All my nine books were started on airplanes because those Mm -hmm. seem to be my sacred space because there's Mm -hmm. no distractions uh, and I travel a lot. So you need to find your sacred space, whatever feels right for you. Diana, where do you think you found the courage to tell your story? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I started writing when I was 10 years old. My grandmother and caretaker had taken her life in my childhood home, actually, in Queens. And my mother was an English major in college. And, you know, it was the 60s, and she had no idea how to help me cope with the loss of a woman that I absolutely loved. And was also her mother, and therapy was not a big thing. So she went out and got me a Cahill Gibran journal, and she said, just write. Write letters to your grandma. Write what your heart is telling you. Write about loss. And I think that's that was really the little does she know it was set the platform for my life as a writer and that so it gave me the courage. The other thing that gave me courage was uh, when I was diagnosed with my first cancer uh, diagnosis in 2001 just after 9-11. Very difficult because it was, you know, I was living on the far away and New York had gone through what it had gone through and 
I had developed breast cancer at the same time. And it was a very scary time for me. And I'll never forget my father-in-law, who is a Holocaust survivor, saying, Diana, just have no fear. And as soon as he said that, I realized, you're right. You know, you've been through so much. And look at you. You've got a successful business in Canada. And having no fear is just very liberating. And that's really what helped me. And I think the benefits to writing, they're twofold. Number one, you as the writer get the healing benefits, but also... By sharing your story, you're touching so many lives. People that are going through what you may be going through, you're inspiring them to hold on or to have faith that better times can come. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Diana, what do you believe are some of the most common mistakes writers make? One of the biggest mistakes writers use um, or are prone to is sharing their writing before they're ready to. Um, Many times people will write a story or a poem or the beginning of a memoir and they think, oh, I'm so happy with the way this is, I want to, or I'm not really sure how this is. And I think I'll share it with so-and-so. Well, I think sharing it with uh, anyone too early could backfire because chances are people won't read your work twice. So you, you should only share your work when you're really feeling super, super confident about it. And the way to feel confident or more confident about it is to do your writing and I would say put it away for a week or two and then pull it out again and look at it and see if you're still happy and, and, and play with it, edit it, work with it. Uh, you know, writing is a process. You need to really enjoy the journey and not think of the destination of publication. Well, and I think that's an important point because I don't want our listeners to think that this conversation is only for people that want to publish a book. Writing is healing and transformative for anyone, even if you're the only person that ever reads your work. Exactly. The book is Writing for Bliss, a seven-step plan for telling your story and transforming your life. If you'd like to get more information about Diana, you can visit her website, dianarab.com. That's R-A-A-B. DianaRapp.com. Diana, thank you so much for being here with us and for teaching us how writing can heal and help us move forward. It's something powerful that we all can do. So thank you for sharing. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. This is Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Join me on Saturday, September 29th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. for the Coleman, North Jersey Women's Wellness Expo held at the Passaic County Technical Institute in Wayne, New Jersey. I'm the official MC and a guest speaker for this free event, which is women-focused, but will offer lots of activities for the whole family. There will be free health screenings, an inspiring speaker program, nutritional advice, fitness and active lifestyle information, plus a special kids zone. I hope to see you there. For more information, visit comannorthjersey.org slash expo. It's time for To Your Health 
Joining me today is Dr. Lorraine Maida, a functional and integrative medicine physician who practices anti-aging medicine, executive health, hormone replacement therapy, and weight management. She's the author of Vibrance for Life, How to Live Younger and Healthier. Dr. Maida is here today to discuss the thyroid and depression. Welcome, Dr. Maida. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. So, Doctor, so many people gain weight and then they get depressed about it. Could that weight gain have something to do with the way our thyroid functions? Absolutely. The thyroid hormone is a hormone that controls metabolism and that helps you burn calories and generate heat. But also, people with low thyroid get symptoms such as being cold, overweight, constipated, they get dry skin, hair, and nails, and they may become brittle, and they may experience hair loss. These are just some of the symptoms that are very well known, but the thyroid has a very big influence on your brain. It helps you think clearly and elevates mood, and there is a direct association between low thyroid hormone and depression. However, there isn't that much agreement upon what optimal levels are. Well, you practice functional medicine, which gets to the root cause of illness. What is optimum from a functional medicine perspective as compared to a traditional medicine perspective? Well, first you need to understand how lab values are derived. A lab will take everybody that's ever had a thyroid test, normal, abnormal, and then they take the full spectrum and they put anything beyond two standard deviations into abnormal, abnormal low, abnormal high. So they're not really making a distinction as to what whether or not people are experiencing symptoms or not. So this two standard deviations is a normal lab value, but you may not be feeling normal if you're right at the edge of any of those. So normal can go up to five in some labs for a TSH, which is a thyroid stimulating hormone. But they found that people who were more depressed, if TSH levels were above 2.5. And there are a lot of people who fall into that category. They're depressed and they're told they're normal. They're given antidepressants and they don't get better because it's really a need for some thyroid hormone. Doctor, what should someone do if they feel depressed and, and they really think something's wrong, but they're told that their thyroid is normal? Well, first I have to caution people and say that the thyroid may or may not be the answer for all people. But I would recommend that people who suspect there may be something wrong and they're told they're normal, they should seek a fun functional medicine doctor to consult with because a functional medicine doctor will go deeper into other aspects such as diet, exercise, hormones, stress, genetics, and they're going to measure other things, thyroid antibodies that can block thyroid hormone, free T4 or free T3. T3 is the active hormone, but some people just don't convert well. And it's not the thyroid, it's stress, infections, or trauma, or nutritional deficiencies. And the same thing with reverse T3s and iodine levels. The reverse T3 can block the receptor, so even though you're making good thyroid hormone, it's not getting in, it's not really signaling the cells. So you really need to take a very deep and full look at all the aspects of how thyroid works. So all these tests can determine if there's adequate thyroid hormone levels, if hormones are being blocked by antibodies or at the receptor level, and it gets to the root cause. So sometimes it's not always so clear and it may be worth trying a small dose of thyroid hormone, 
especially with some T3. And if depression clears, that may be the answer. I've seen very good results in people who had TSH levels above 2.5. And I have many psychiatrists who refer to me because they're running into a wall with some people. Dr. Meta, thank you so much for being here and for talking about this very important topic. If you would like to learn more information about Dr. Meta, if you'd like to learn more about her work, you can visit howtoliveyounger.com. And as always, to hear more from Dr. Meta, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com forward slash Lorraine. We'll be right back. What if there were a way to know at a glance what you had to do, where you had to be, where to find something, where to put it back when you're done, even who left their wet towel on the floor again? There is, and that's color coding. Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized. As a professional organizing firm, we help clients organize their lives as well as their homes. Color coding is my favorite organizing technique. I use it every day in my personal and business lives, and I recommend it to all of my clients. I suggest using color to organize everything. Here are just a few ideas. In closets and drawers, arrange clothes in rainbow order. Assign a pen collar to each family member and record everyone's schedules on the wall calendar in the kitchen or assign each member a different color calendar in Google or iCal. In a file system, use different colored folders for categories of information like green for financial and red for health. Color coding is visually appealing and easy to implement. It saves time, energy, frustration, and confusion. It makes us feel calm and in control, which lowers our stress levels. Need some help with creating color-coded systems? Call me, Gail Gruenberg, at 201-364-6833 or visit my website at lgorganized.com. Wouldn't it be great if you could exercise in the middle of sleep? At the very least, we can learn to keep fit while we sit. I'm Dr. Michael Magwood, a chiropractor from Pure Balance Center with offices in New York City and Clifton, New Jersey. Today's tip for healthy sitting involves four rules to doing it better. First, improve your posture. Your chiropractor teaches very specific elongation exercises that can be done periodically during the day. Second, keep moving. Remind yourself to get up from your chair at least every 15 minutes, even if just for a moment. Third, Optimize your workstation ergonomically. Our practice actually enters into the corporate world to do ergonomic workstation assessments. And four, address stress. Believe it or not, the demands of your job play a bigger role on your system than you realize. So remembering to breathe through your nose and actually measure that your respiratory rate is 12 breaths per minute or less will really, really help. I'm Dr. Michael Magwood from Pure Balance Center. For more information, please reach out to us at purebalancecenter.com or purebalancenyc.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life has a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life 24-7. Visit CYACYL.com. And be sure to tell your friends.
We all want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, an intuitive life coach who helps her clients move through life's challenges and transitions with purpose, passion, and clarity to emerge more powerful, fulfilled, and purposeful. Linda is here today to discuss why self-care is not selfish. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Joan. It's always great to be here. So, Linda, this is such an important topic because when we don't care for ourselves, when our cup gets depleted, we're not able to care for other people. So in this busy world of unending activity and to-do lists, how do you suggest we find time for self-care? And why do you believe it's so important? Well, you're right, Joan. It is so important. We are indeed a culture of overworked individuals. Self-care does not mean putting your goals on hold. Simply means learning how to weave in time for yourself and your loved ones. Initially, you may feel resistance, even guilt, sometimes discomfort or even unworthiness. But in truth, unless you schedule in self-care, you will eventually begin to live your life from a place of resentment, anger, overwhelm, or exhaustion. Being depleted is not good for you or anyone around you. You can't give from an empty receptacle, right? Right. We mistakenly think that self-care may promote laziness, selfishness, or somehow keep us from achieving our goals when actually it's been proven the opposite is true. It's a myth that constantly working long hours makes you more productive. Being overworked and perpetually stressed increases the likelihood of errors, illnesses, injury, and actually diminishes our creativity, our productivity, patience, and our effectiveness. I mean, what if a busy executive or an overworked parent never takes time out to revitalize themselves? How can they continue to give their families from a place of compassion, love, and support? We have nothing left to offer others when we're spent. So, Linda, you've been helping people understand the importance of self-care. Can you suggest some ways that our listeners can foster self-care? Sure. And, you know, self-care does not have to cost a lot of money as a work centered culture, many of us have lost touch with our inner wisdom. A wonderful way to reconnect and rejuvenate is simply to sit quietly, allow yourself to connect with your heart space, and sometimes just unplugging from the world can be immensely helpful. Reflect on what recharges your batteries. Tune in and discern what will serve you best. It could be a soothing bath with relaxing music, journaling, a yoga class, creating artwork, or a walk in nature. Perhaps you'll deepen your meditation practice or reclaim a hobby. And for others, a monthly massage, energy work like Reiki, or maybe a night out with friends. Sometimes a weekend away is in order. The people who have a hard time saying no, the the people pleasers, they're probably the ones who need to say yes the most. How do you help those people recognize the importance of self-care? Wow, you're so right, Joan. The people pleasers of the world are those who put themselves last on the list and are probably most in need of some self-care. And for them especially, it's not selfish. Rather, it's incredibly necessary to take time for some much-needed self-care in order to be able to continue to serve those in their circle. There's an epidemic of people who are overscheduled and undervalued. They feel invisible, unheard, and rarely make it to the top of their own priority list. They often buy into the myth that the good girls always serve others and don't take care of themselves. You know, the older generation looked at self-care as self-indulgence, 
And as role models, they never taught their children, especially the women, to focus on themselves. And to those especially, I say, don't wait for a personal crisis to make time for self-care. If we're always on the go without stopping to care for ourselves, sooner or later, our bodies will cry out either from pain or exhaustion. And it's hard to accomplish our goals from that place. I often say many people take better care of their cars than they do their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Think about it. We change the oil, rotate the tires, do scheduled maintenance, because we know the better care we take of our cars, the more mileage we get out of them. Well, our bodies are exactly the same. The more attention we pay to self-care, the better mindset we're in. And then it's easier to reach our goals from that place. Schedule some self-care this week. When others see you're happier and less stressed, they'll be relieved and delighted to spend time with you. And that's not selfish. A little goes a long way towards creating joy, balance, and good health in your life. Linda, thank you so much for being here with us. If you would like to learn how you can take better care of yourself, if you'd like to learn more about Linda, you can visit her website, livinginspiredcoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com forward slash Linda. Do you want to change a habit you have been doing for a long time? Let me share some hypnosis tips to help you. Hi, I'm Mary Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner in Oradell, New Jersey. Hypnosis is a great way to help you change a habit. Maybe there's a phrase that you keep repeating. It can be any habit you are trying to break. First, become more aware of when you do the habit. When you are aware of it, pause and check in with yourself to see if there is a trigger or emotional component making you do it. Awareness is key. Then work on pushing away the habit. Talk to it and tell it, I am strong and in control of me. Delete the thought or distract yourself so the moment passes. Keep repeating the steps as the habit fades and until you stop doing it. I'm Mary Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner, and you can find more information about hypnosis at MetroHypnosisCenter.com. With home prices continuing to rise again this year, there's been speculation that we may be repeating a housing bubble similar to the one we experienced in 2006. Hi, my name is Danielle Grosso from Experience Real Estate with Keller Williams Realty. Today's market is quite different than the bubble market of 12 years ago, and we can see that by analyzing four metrics, home price, mortgage standards, mortgage debt, and housing affordability. For the first metric, home prices, values are still about 18% below where they were in 2006. For the second metric, mortgage standards, the Housing Credit Availability Index reveals that standards today are much tighter on a borrower's credit and have all but eliminated the riskiest loan products that were ever present up until 2009. The third metric, mortgage debt, is being compared to 2006 when many homeowners were essentially using their homes as ATMs by withdrawing their equity and spending it with no concern for the ramifications. This is no longer occurring today. In fact, the Federal Reserve's debt service ratio stood at 7.21%. Today, the ratio stands at 4.48%, which is the lowest level it's been in 38 years. And for the last metric, housing affordability. When we look at the housing affordability index, homes are more affordable now than at any other time since 1985. If you have any further questions about real estate, please visit danielle-grosso.com. 
Soul by Rain is produced from various seed flowers. Its primary ingredients hail from the black cumin seed and the black raspberry seed. These two combine with Chardonnay grapeseed Nutriflower to provide a powerful antioxidant barrier against the devastating effects of stress. Soul by Rain has been hailed as one of the most important anti-aging antioxidants ever discovered. Soul is an anti-inflammatory and it helps prevent and repair radical damages for a healthier heart. Get your soul by calling your Rain partner, Elmina Ziza, at 973-722-1154. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. You've made a substantial financial investment in getting the project done. And you have a beautiful publication with your name on the cover. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life Book Club, a resource guide created for books that change lives. A book featured on the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life website and in the digital magazine gets recognized. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life includes the work of some of the most inspirational and influential authors in the world. Shouldn't you be there too? Let's get started. For more information, visit cyacyl.com backslash book club advertising. I want to be riding my bike. But at this moment, he's fighting leukemia. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is saving lives with pioneering research and care. And we'll never have to pay St. Jude for anything. Please take a moment and visit stjude.org today. joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. While on the site, listen to Pasha's On Demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.